Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. Excited that you're here today. Hey, we're starting a brand new sermon series today, and uh, we're calling it Rhythms. How many of you have any musical rhythm? All right, a couple of you. Anybody want to demonstrate this morning their musical rhythm? Our worship team has rhythm. Seth, there you go. Excited about jumping into this brand new series, talking about how to develop a healthy, spiritual and biblical rhythms for our daily lives. So often in life, we get out of rhythm. We get out of routine. We get out of balance. And that leads to frustration. That leads to uh, agitation. And so how can we live a life of healthy rhythm? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. You can go ahead and find a seat. The Bible describes for us four areas of rhythm, four areas that we ought to concentrate on when it comes to finding a healthy rhythm. They are rest, responsibility, restraint, and relationships. Rest, responsibility, restraint, relationships. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series over the next four weeks. Rest, responsibility, restraint, and relationships. And today I want to begin this new series by preaching a message that I'm calling Start by Stopping. Start by stopping. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. You don't have to look very far. The first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter number two is where we're going to be this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, most of the verses in a moment will be on the screen. But Genesis chapter number two is where we are going to begin today. If you're with me, would you say amen? Amen. Would you look to your neighbor and say, are you ready? ready. Look to your other neighbor and say, how about you? Genesis chapter 2, verse number 1. The Bible says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested. He rested. Everybody say rested. He rested. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, are you tired? And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day. And he sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. And God, thank you for this opportunity to come to you and worship today. Thank you that we have this opportunity to start this brand new service and a new service schedule. And God, we're praying that you would be pleased and honored and glorified in this new service schedule. God, I pray that this would allow us to have more opportunities to reach more people with the gospel. I pray that this would create space in our Rock Hill Kids Ministries so that more children can come and to uh, learn about your goodness and to learn about your grace and to learn about the fact that you sent your only begotten son to live a perfectly sinless life, to die on the cross for our sins in our place and defeating the grave uh, three days later. And God, I pray that we would uh, just 
always keep you at the center of everything that we do individually, but also corporately as a church. And God, today I pray that as we begin this brand new series of messages about rhythm, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work. I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this text for us. God, I pray that we would see that you had a perfect environment for us in the garden. And God, I pray that we can seek to uh, implement these healthy biblical rhythms in our lives so that ultimately we can do more for you and live for your glory and you be pleased with everything that's said and done in our lives and in this service. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. How many of you are a proud pet owner? Can I see your hands? You have a pet? And uh, several uh, months ago, our family decided it was time to get a dog. And uh, our kids had been wanting to get a dog for a while, and so we decided, okay, we, we finally said, okay, we're going to do this thing. And so we went, and we got a dog, and uh, uh, he's, a, he's a kava poo, Sean. I don't really even know exactly what that means, but <laughs> that means we have a little dog, basically. That's what, what it means. But uh, he's a good dog, and I remember when we first got the dog, the kids were real excited, and the first thing that we did was we took a trip to PetSmart. And we said, okay, we're going to get what we need uh, for our new dog. And so we went and we bought him this nice little dog bed and we bought him this nice little dog bone and we bought him uh, a collar and we got him some dog treats and, and uh, a leash. And we got him all of these things that would make for a wonderful environment and a wonderful home for him to come to. And so uh, we set it all up in the backyard and we created uh, this optical environment. And of course, what did our dog do? He went and he messed everything up, right? Uh, he, he constantly makes a mess in the backyard and he, he, he's never one time slept in the dog bed that we got him. Uh, he hates wearing his collar. He doesn't like the kind of bone that we got him. You know, he went and he messes everything up. And uh, the other day I walked into the kitchen and uh, I noticed that Gunner was being real still. And I was like, you know, what, what is he doing? And, and I looked at him and uh, uh, he had gotten into a little Caesar's crazy bread bag that we had. And uh, this was Gunner. <laughs> he had his head completely stuck in that bag and it says crazy on the bag, which is which is completely appropriate, and uh, it was jammed on there. I had, to, I had to pull that thing off, and uh, we created this great environment for our new dog to live in, and what did he do? He went and messed everything up, and I think it's interesting because as you look at the biblical narrative beginning with the book of Genesis, you see that in the garden, God created this optical environment for humans to live in. He created the perfect space, the, the per perfect environment for our souls to be healthy and our souls to, to thrive. And what did we do? We messed it all up. As soon as Adam and Eve, they took a bite of that fruit that they should not have taken a bite of, they listened to the serpent, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And ever since then, we've been suffering the consequences of the fall because we messed up this, this perfect optical environment in which God created in the garden. And it's my prayer in this series that we would get back to that environment that God intended for us to live in, that we would get back to that place where we would live in a healthy rhythm that would be healthy for our souls. Now, Rhythm is an extremely important thing. I asked a second ago, how many of you have musical rhythm? How many of you, again, have musical rhythm? All right, now you're like, I'm not going to raise my hand. He might call on me. And uh, uh, rhythm is an important thing. You know, we have this microphone right here. And uh, Nestor, he plays the bass. Let's give it up for Nestor. He does a great job. And you'll notice that Nestor has this microphone, but you'll also notice that Nestor never sings. 
And it's not because Nestor can't sing, but that's not, that's not what he's up here to do. That's, that's not his job. Uh, this microphone does not project into the auditorium. You'll, you'll notice that uh, this microphone, uh, you'll never hear Nestor say anything, but all of the musicians on stage will hear Nestor because Nestor is actually speaking in the microphone that's going into the in-ear monitors that our worship leaders and our music team wear. So how many of you are like, I'm, I'm learning something today, right? And so the purpose of Nestor standing back there is he's directing, he's providing, he's providing cadence, and sometimes he's counting down, saying one, two, three, and sometimes he's saying, hey, let's play louder, and sometimes he's saying, hey, let's play, let's play quieter, and he's providing for them a rhythm and a cadence to play by and to sing by, because when you don't have rhythm, there will always be frustration. And in our lives, when we live outside of the rhythm that God intended, it will always lead to frustration and there will be agitation. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? You've ever lived in a space where you were just kind of outside of a good rhythm. Anybody like that? Maybe you were working too much or maybe the laundry was piling up and emails were piling up and, and you were trying to uh, go from here to there and trying to uh, juggle all of these different things and it seems like we just can't find, to, uh, find time in our schedules and we just can't seem to find a healthy rhythm and we're going through life tired and exhausted and frustrated and God God says, that is not the way that I intended you to live. God wants us to experience rest. And we come to Genesis chapter number two, and the very first rhythm that God establishes in the garden is this rhythm of rest. The very first one. Now, that kind of goes against the grain of our, you know, thinking. It goes against the grain of religion to, to think, okay, the very first thing that God wants me to do for a healthy soul, you know, we might think, where's my list? What do I have to do? What are all my responsibilities that I have to take care of? And first, God says, hey, before we get to all of that, first, rest. First is rest. Now, now, rest is something that we all want, that we all desire, but rarely we experience, right? Now, a part of that is we can thank uh, Thomas Edison for inventing the light bulb, because before Thomas Edison uh, invented the light bulb, uh, we slept on average 10 to 11 hours every single night. And sometimes you hear these stories about, you know, I used to hear these stories about, well, you know, men of God that would wake up at 4 a.m. to read their Bible. Well, it was because they went to bed at like 6 p.m. the night before, right? So, so we used to get a lot more sleep. Now, on average, Americans sleep 6.7 hours per night. How many of you are like, even that would be great right there? So we all want sleep. We want rest. But sometimes we don't experience that rest that God wants us to experience. I read that uh, the Roman playwright Plautus, he once complained about the new technology coming out in 200 B.C. And uh, he was mad about this new technology. The technology was the sundial. And he said this about the sundial. He said, the gods confound the man who first found out how to distinguish hours. Confound him too, who in this place set up the sundial to cut and hack my days so wretchedly into small portions. And uh, uh, next time you're late to a meeting, say, gods confound the man who, who invented the, the watch. <laughs> I love how even all the way back then in 200 BC, they're complaining about technology, right? Like, I hate the new technology coming in and destroying all the kids' minds. We have a lot more than a sundown now, right? We have Apple Watches and iPhones and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and, and, uh, and uh, computers. And we have all kinds of things that are constantly competing and wanting our attention and taking precious time from us that's robbing us so often of rest. Corey Ten Boom, she said this, if the devil can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. So I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4 as he's talking to the model church in Thessalonica. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 11. He says, and that you study to be quiet. And I love this phrase, study to be quiet. That means work really hard at resting. 
He says, study, work hard. Quiet carries the connotation there of rest. Study to be quiet. Work hard. Be intentional at resting and to do your own business. And here's the balance to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And I love this balance that Paul says. He says there has to be this balance of rest and responsibility. You have to work really hard at resting and finding time and creating margin in your schedule to rest, but also you have to work with your own hands. And we have to have that balance because some people, they worship uh, their job, they worship work, but some people, they worship their comfort, right? And so sometimes uh, for some people, you need to say, hey, take a nap. Other people, you need to say, hey, get a job, <laughs> get, to, get to work. And, and there has to be this balance here where you find rest and responsibility. So how do we balance it all? How do we balance living a life of rest, but also taking care of the things that God wants us to take care of? I believe that we find the balance in the garden. All the way in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created, everybody say created. created. God created the heaven and the earth. And uh, we know that in six days, God uh, created the heaven and the earth. Day one was light. Day two was the atmosphere, the firmament. Day three was dry ground and plants. Day four was the sun, moon, and stars. Day five was uh, the birds and, and the fish. And day six was the land, animals, and the humans. And so that was day one through six. And it says this in Genesis 1:31. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. He was very pleased with everything that was made. And the evening and morning were the sixth day. And so that happened day one through six. That was the sixth day. And then we come to the seventh day, and everything changes on the seventh day. Everything transfers. Everything changes on this all-important seventh day. And on the seventh day, God establishes for us this rhythm of rest. And so this morning, what I want to do, just for a few minutes, is I want to look to this garden narrative and I want us to learn three ways that we can engage in a spiritual rhythm of rest. Is that all right this morning? So three ways that we can engage in a rhythm of rest. Number one, the first way that we can do this is pattern your rhythm after God's rhythm. Pattern your rhythm after God's rhythm. Notice verse number one. It says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. That, that word rested there is the Hebrew word Shabbat, and uh, it's the word Sabbath. It means this, to stop, to cease. And, and so we see that on the seventh day, God, God demonstrates this, this principle of Sabbath. This is the first time that we learn about this principle of Sabbath in all of Scripture, to cease and to stop. Now, there's a lot of confusion sometimes surrounding the Sabbath and, and uh, uh, kind of what it means for us today and when, when should we do this and should we do this and how does this, what does this all look like? And so uh, for a few minutes, I want to give us a few principles about the Sabbath, and I'm going to teach a little bit, and there's going to be some application here, and I want to encourage you to kind of uh, get a hold of some of these principles concerning uh, the Sabbath. And so I want to give you, first of all, I want you to see the priority of Sabbath. There's a priority of Sabbath. Because notice what it says in verse number two. It says, he ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. So why did God Almighty rest? Was it because he was tired? Was it because God was finished with creation? was like, man, that was a lot of work. I just need to kind of kick my feet up for a little bit, and I just need to take a break. Did God rest because he was tired? Of course not. 
The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Our God doesn't get tired. Uh, our God is always working. Uh, God, God is always at work, even behind the scenes when we don't always see it. Psalm 121, verse number 3 says, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He keepeth the, uh, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. And so uh, God did not rest because he was tired. God rested to establish this principle and this priority of rest in our lives. He's, he's giving us this optical rhythm to live life in. He's saying, hey, uh, make sure that you find time to rest and to reflect on the goodness of God and to uh, reflect on what God has done for you. So uh, he's establishing this pattern of rest. Whenever we operate outside of this rhythm of rest, there's always going to be frustration. There's always going to be uh, danger. In fact, uh, during the French Revolution, they, they tried this idea where they were going to make the, the, the work week into 10 days. So there was this 10-day work week, and they thought we're going to uh, increase productivity by just working 10 days straight. But the opposite, in fact, happened. The economy went down, suicide rates went up, and productivity decreased. Because whenever you uh, fail to rest, you're going to live outside the rhythm that God intended for us to live in here in the garden. And so we see that this was, this was a priority, uh, the priority of rest. See, sometimes we think that rest is for the weak. But rest is not for the weak. Rest is for the wise. And so God establishes this rhythm here in the garden. So we see the priority of Sabbath. But then I want you to see, secondly, the, the predicament of Sabbath. Okay, the predicament of Sabbath is... Is Sabbath still for today? Are we still supposed to come together and worship God on the seventh day, which would be Saturday? Um, uh, is this uh, still applying to us today? Uh, there's this predicament of the Sabbath because so often many people are confused. And we fast forward to uh, Moses on Mount Sinai. He comes down with the Ten Commandments. Number four on the list is this principle of Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, verse number eight says this, remember the Sabbath day. Remember it. And it's interesting that that uh, he has to say, remember the Sabbath day, because the Sabbath day was a gift. It was a blessing, like a day to rest and to not have to work. This was a blessing. But he says, remember uh, this. D don't forget this, because we have this tendency to kind of fall back into a rhythm and a routine that's such at a, at a high pace. And so he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, uh, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord had made heaven and earth, the sea, and all uh, that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. And so God instituted this law in the Ten Commandments, saying, hey, remember the Sabbath day. Remember to take a day of rest. And of course, you know... Uh, for thousands of years, this is what God's people did. They rested on the Sabbath day. They didn't work on that seventh day, the Saturday. But then we come to the New Testament, and what happened with the Pharisees and the religious leaders? They, uh, they idolized the Sabbath day, and they turned something that was supposed to be a blessing into a burden. And uh, they started taking the Sabbath day and enforcing it on people, so much so uh, that it was, it was something that you couldn't even keep up with. You didn't even know all the rules that they added to the Sabbath day. And so uh, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 2. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, the disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. And so they were constantly kind of checking, how much work would you do? You can't do anything on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says that is not the intended purpose of the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a blessing, not a burden. I remember several years ago, I went to Israel, and uh, we, were, uh, we were seeing all the sights in Israel. And I remember one morning... I woke up, and I was kind of running a little bit late, and uh, we were supposed to meet our group at 8 a.m. 
in the lobby. So I came out of the room, and I was kind of in a hurry, and I noticed that one of the elevators, there were several elevators. One of them was wide open, and I was like, thank you. The Lord will provide. And so I, I was running late, and so I went right to that elevator because the door was open, and I was in that elevator. I noticed it was kind of taking a long time, and then it went down one floor, and it stopped, and the door's open. And I'm like, what's going on? And then it went down another floor, and it stopped, and the, and the door's open. And apparently, on the Sabbath day, the elevator was pre-programmed to stop at every single floor so that you wouldn't have to touch a button, because to touch a button would be considered work, and you don't want to work on the Sabbath day. And so they literally have Sabbath day elevators. And so I was very late to my, uh, to my appointment down there at 8 a.m. Uh, because they, they, they took something that was supposed to be a blessing and they enforced it to a point that it was a burden. And this is what we see happening. That's why Jesus came along and said, no, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament law. Mark 2, 27 says this. And he said unto them, the Sabbath, watch this, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for men. It's supposed to be a blessing. It's supposed to be a time of rest. And Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. And when the church came onto the scene, the church started worshiping the Lord on the first day of the week, the first day of the week on Sunday, because they were celebrating the fact that Jesus rose again on Sunday. And so everything kind of changed. The resurrection changed everything. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 16 too. Upon the first day, everybody say the first day. The first day of the week, uh, Sunday, let everyone uh, lay by him in store as God has prospered him. Acts 27 says this, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. And so everything changed to the first day, which would have been a work day for them. Can you imagine today if we said, hey, we're going to start having church on Monday morning? You know, the first day of the week for us is, is, is Monday. You know, that's when we start our work week. That, that changed everything for the Jewish people. That changed everything. It was a great sacrifice to come together. But they said, you know what? It's worth the sacrifice because Jesus is, is risen from the grave. It's Jesus is alive and well. So, yeah, let's meet on the Lord's Day. Let's worship on Sunday to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And so uh, we see the priority of Sabbath. God said, hey, rest is a good thing. We see the predicament of Sabbath. Is it for today? We are not under the law of Sabbath. But then thirdly, this is what I want us to see about the Sabbath, the principle of Sabbath. And so we see the priority. God did it. By the way, sometimes we're like, no, rest is for other people. Hey, God rested. Yeah. Well, you don't understand my schedule. You don't understand uh, everything that I have. To God rested. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't understand everything that's on my plate and what all I have to do. God rested. He was setting the priority of Sabbath. We see the predicament of Sabbath, but then uh, I want you to see the principle of Sabbath. So we are not under the law of Sabbath. We don't worship God corporately on Saturday, but there is a wise principle concerning Sabbath to stop, to cease, and to rest. If you're tracking with me, would you say amen? Amen. And so there's great wisdom in practicing rest. Romans 14, verse number five says this, one man esteemeth one day above another. And so Paul was writing to the church at Rome and he was saying, hey, uh, you're getting all confused about what day uh, this is about. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, uh, uh, he doth not regard it. And so basically Paul was saying, hey, it's not about a certain day. It's not about, hey, hey, Saturday or this day. It's about a time that you set aside, that you Shabbat, that you, that you cease, that you stop in order to rest and reflect on the goodness of God. And so my question then is, are you doing that? A.J. Swoboda said this, We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. We live our lives at such a high pace that we're neglecting what matters most. We're neglecting the health of our soul. 
Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And so Jesus even took time to make sure that he went away, and there was a break in the normal routine to get time to pray and spend time in solitude. And so you say, well, what does this look like, this time of rest? It looks like carving out space in your schedule to read the Word of God. It looks like creating margin in your schedule to take time and to pray. It looks like a day off. It looks like time with friends and family. A time that we prioritize slowing down and reflecting on God's goodness. God's rhythm should be our rhythm. Now, when this happens, now this is tough for us to hear sometimes because we want to live at a high pace and we want to get things done. And God says, hey, rest. But when this happens, notice, notice what verse number three says. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. And God blessed the seventh day. He blessed it. So God blessed a day? What does that mean? He blessed it. Well, that, that was the third time in the creation narrative that God blessed something. He blessed the animals, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Procreate. He blessed humans, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply, multiply. And so when he blesses the Sabbath day, it carries the idea and it tells us that, that when we take time to rest, we can actually multiply and do more in our lives than we could if we didn't rest. We can have this ability to do more for God's glory because I don't know about you, but I want to do more for God's glory and I want to reach more people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. And yeah, I want to have more services and I want to do more for the glory of God. I want to multiply what God has given me. I want to see God do a multiplication work, but it starts with stopping, with resting and creating rhythm to say, God, I'm not in control. You are. See, to rest is to relinquish control. It's to say, I'm trusting that, that God's going to take care of this. And so we have to pattern our rhythm after God's rhythm. This leads us to our second point this morning. Number two, we have to rebel against a consumer culture. Rebel against a consumer culture. It says this in verse 3, And God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. The word sanctified there means to set apart, to make it holy. And so he's saying, hey, this day is to be different. It's to be set apart. And by the way, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. Peter said, be holy. Uh, God said, be holy, for I am holy in the, in the book of Peter. And so uh, we learn that we are to be set apart. We are to be sanctified. We are to be different. And so uh, through this, we learn two things about rest. Number one, underneath this, we learn that to rest is to rebel. To rebel. Everybody say, rebel. rebel. Now, put yourself in Israelite shoes for a moment. You've been in captivity uh, for hundreds of years. You've been in Egypt, and God comes along, and he tells Moses the Ten Commandments, and he establishes the Sabbath for Israelites. Now, this would have been a great blessing because you would have been accustomed to working seven days a week, right? You would have been accustomed to working all the time. You were a slave. It was all about, it was all about productivity, it was all about you had to do this, and then God comes along and he says, hey, I want you to rest. This would have been a great burden, but this, or this would have been a great blessing, but it would have been completely contrary to the culture that you were accustomed to, right? Because in Egypt, uh, they had a very fast-paced culture in Egypt. Uh, they were used to the lifestyle of the Egyptians. Now, uh, Egypt was an amazing empire. 
They had this uncontrollable appetite for more. Uh, Egypt was all about more uh, palaces, more pleasure, more uh, pyramids, more. Just, uh, they just wanted more. They had this lust, this appetite for more. In fact, Egypt had so many things, and they had so much stuff that they had to build uh, store cities. They had to build other cities just to store all of their stuff. And so they just had all kinds of stuff. They just had this appetite for more and for more and for more. We fast forward to 2020. And we see in our American culture that we have this same kind of hedonistic appetite for more. We live in this materialistic culture where we just kind of want uh, more, uh, more money, more opportunity, more apps, more this, more that. And uh, we kind of have this desire and this lust for more. Uh, I think Pharaoh would have fit right into the United States of America. We have this desire for more. I read this past December an article that said, on average... We spend about $500 on toys at Christmas per kid. America's population makes up 3% of the children in the world, and yet 40% of the world's toys are in America. We have this unquenchable desire for more. Now, uh, social media knows this. Uh, That's why you have one thought about getting new shoes, and then on your Instagram feed, all you see is ads for new shoes for like two weeks. And they market that. Because we have this desire for more. But listen to what one author said, Wayne Muller, about the Sabbath and about this constant desire for more, like like the Egyptian culture that the Israelites were coming out of. It says this, Sabbath is a time to stop, to refrain from being seduced by our desires, to stop working, to stop making money, to stop spending money, to see what you have, look around, listen to your life. Do you really need more than this? See, Sabbath is a way of saying enough. I don't need to go out and make more money. I don't need to go out and hustle, and I don't need to uh, drive myself so busy and and push people away that are close to me. I don't need to do all that because I have enough in Jesus. So I'm going to reflect on his goodness. Luke 12, verse 15 says this, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so uh, to rest is to rebel against the consumer culture. And some of us this morning need to get rebellious and to say, You know, I don't need these new things, and I don't need all the world has to offer. Hey, I'd rather have peace in my soul than clothes in my closet or cars in my garage. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world has to offer. And so when we have this idea and this principle of of sabbath and to rest what we're saying is say i don't need all of that just give me jesus and so to rest is to rebel i don't need everything that the culture has to offer i'm content i'm satisfied in jesus so to rest is to rebel but also to rest is to rely because to rest is saying, you know what? I'm relinquishing control. It's not about me. The world is not on my shoulders, and everything is not on my shoulders. And, and, uh, and so often we live life like that. Like, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And if I don't make the call, who's going to make the call? And if I don't do this, who's going to do it? And God says, hey, I'm the one in control. Yeah. The other day I woke up early, and I went to, uh, I was going to pray for the uh, state of the city address in Fontana and a lot of uh, city officials that were there and I put on a suit and tie, I woke up early and, and just before I was getting ready to leave, uh, my son Luke came down and he looked at me and he said, Dad, what are you doing? Because you could tell I was wearing a suit and tie and he was kind of wondering uh, where I was going and I said, I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to pray for some people and he said, why? And I said, because I want to help them. And my son Luke looked at me kind of funny and he said, you're not a superhero? <laughs> like, like, who do you think you are, Dad? You're not a superhero. And uh, that kind of humbled me for a second, like, wait, wait a second, <laughs> you're supposed to think that I am, son. And, uh, but that's a good reminder for us to hear every once in a while that, hey, you're not a superhero. Yeah, that's the world is not on your shoulders. 
God is not up in heaven just kind of pacing back and forth. I wonder how they're going to get their next paycheck, and I wonder how they're going to do this, and I, and I wonder how this is all going to play out. I love that the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, seated is in a position of control. He's not up in heaven pacing back and forth wondering what's going to happen in our lives. He is seated. He is in control. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords, and so to rest is to rely on God. Say, I'm trusting that you're going to take care of my needs. And so when we practice the principle of Sabbath and we rest and we cease and we stop, we're saying, God, you are in control. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24 says this, No man can serve two masters, for he he will either uh, hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, God and money. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, uh, nor yet for your body or what shall you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, uh, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? God says, hey, 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 I take care of the birds. They never wake up and, and have anxiety and wonder where their next meal is going to come from. No, God says, I take care of them. Aren't you much more important than them? See, we need to trust God. To rest is to rebel, but to rest is to rely. And so this morning, if we're going to experience and engage a rhythm of rest that God wants for us, we have to pattern our rhythm after God's rhythm. What was God's rhythm in the garden? Shabbat. He stopped. We have to rebel against the consumer culture. The Israelites were coming out of Egypt. Where that, was, that, that was all hedonistic and materialistic, and they were coming out of that and saying, you know, I don't need to work another day because I'm going to rely on the faithfulness of God. And then this brings us to our third principle. Do you have one more in today? Yeah. Number three, how can we engage a rhythm of rest? Enjoy the goodness of God. Enjoy it. Enjoy the goodness of God. Notice verse number seven in our text today. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. We know that chronologically man was created on the sixth day. And so the seventh day was the first full day for humans to be on earth. And the seventh day was Shabbat. It was Sabbath. And, and notice, how, notice how the word of God describes for us the garden in verses 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man uh, whom he had formed. So he puts him in the garden, verse number 9. And out of the garden made the Lord God to grow every tree that is, watched this, pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the first day that Adam and Eve were on earth was the Sabbath. And God says, I want you to enjoy the trees that are pleasant to sight. I want you to enjoy a good meal, the, the food that is good, uh, the, the good food that is there in the garden. I want you to enjoy it. Now imagine being Adam and Eve. You were created. God's like, welcome to earth. And, uh, and they're, they're excited. It's their first day. And Adam's like, all right, what are we going to do today? Do I need to build a shelter? Do I need, let's go name those animals. Those animals need, need to be named. And let's go do this and let's go do that. And God says, wait, wait, wait. First, we rest. 
And see, this goes against the grain of our thinking. This, 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 this goes against our mentality because we've got to get stuff done and we've got to do things. And God says, first, you Shabbat. Why could he say this? Because in verse 1, he said, the work is already finished. It's already done. And in this, we see a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come to God and sometimes we think, what do I have to do? And what do I have to do to come to God? And what's my list? And give me a list of rules that I have to follow. And God says, hey, it's already been completed. It's already finished. Jesus shouted on the cross in triumph. It is finished. Is anybody thankful today for the grace of God at work in our lives? See, grace is not based on us. Grace is placed on us. And God says, it's not about your work. It's all about the completed work on the cross. So we see in the garden this perfect optical environment that God created for a healthy human soul. And he says, first, you stop. How can we engage in a healthy rhythm? You start by stopping by resting in God's goodness, enjoying life that God has given us to enjoy. I love what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all things richly to enjoy. Aren't you thankful that our God wants us to enjoy life? And he wants us to experience his goodness? When was the last time you just paused? and enjoyed the goodness of God. You took a big, deep breath in, and you just said, God is so good. So often we do the opposite. We're breathing heavy because of all the things we gotta get done. And in so doing, we're trusting self rather than trusting God. You say, why is rest so important? Really, we're gonna preach a whole message on resting because when we don't rest, we're relying on self and not relying on God. So ultimately, it's who are we trusting? Hebrews 4 tells us that we are to labor to enter into this kind of rest. I want to close with Matthew chapter number 11. You can stay with me as I close. Matthew chapter number 11. In verse number 28, it says this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Have you ever been there? had some heavy burdens, you've been working, you've been busy, maybe you've been out of rhythm, your schedule is hectic, there's a lot of things that you've got to do, there's a lot of things to get done. Jesus says, come to me, there's an invitation there. He says, come to me, and watch this, I will give you rest. This is a promise from Jesus, and so what we learn is rest is not in a place. Rest is in a person. His name is Jesus. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is, I think we have a picture, a yoke is when, when, when two oxen, two bull, they would kind of uh, have the same instrument over them both to kind of help distribute the weight, to help carry the load. And so what we learn is that we're going to have a yoke in life. We're going to have responsibility. There's things that we have to do. But when you take upon you Jesus' yoke, Jesus says, I'll do all the heavy lifting. He says, hey, yeah, you're going to have responsibility. There's going to be things that you have to do in life, but take my yoke upon you. I'll, I'll do all the heavy lifting because, uh, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't you thankful this morning that our burden is easy in Jesus Christ? Rest is found in a person. Augustine said this, you have made us for yourself, and then he says, our heart is restless until it rests in you. So often we're looking for rest in all the wrong places. We have all of these different supplemental things that we try to create a Sabbath, but it's just not working because true Sabbath, true rest is only found in Jesus. 
And today, maybe you've never experienced the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced salvation for your soul. And I would encourage you today, you can experience that kind of rest. You can experience ultimate rest for all of eternity in a wonderful place called heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because the work is already finished. The work is already completed. And so we can trust in him and enjoy his goodness forever and ever and ever and ever. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.com.